unprecedented times. You know what unprecedented means? It means it hadn't happened before and uh, something like what we're going through right now on the earth, it never has happened in my life and I'm a lot older than most of y'all so I know it hadn't happened in yours either. So the thing is, you know, we've never lived through something where the entire world is vexed with fear and, and having to respond in such extreme measures. Um, you know, having church today, a lot of churches chose to not have church today. They chose to do it online. Uh, we chose to meet, and I didn't take this, I didn't make this decision lightly. I know that whether you have church or don't have church, it's an act of faith. So I'm not bad-mouthing anybody that didn't, and I don't think we're any better or any worse than anybody else. I just want to say that for us, I think it was necessary that we meet today. I think it was necessary that we took a step of faith today. Um, and I believe that God uh, is in this thing. You know, it's surprising to me, it was really not surprising, but, you know, it's so funny to think that God knew what was going on, you know? God knows what's going on. He knows ahead of time. You, you think it's coincidental that in 2020 that God gave us a charge as a church that it's the year to get healthy? You think it's, a, it's by coincidence that God said, this is a year that I really want you to concentrate on your health? And I think, no, I don't think it was coincidental. I think God knew that it was a good year to, to be able to, be, a, be aware of what we're eating and try to bring ourselves into a healthier place. I think it's a, a sign of the times. It wasn't just our church. It was churches all over the United States. And so I know that God knew what was coming. Do you think it's any coincidence that we entered into a negativity fast about a week before all this kind of just started spinning out of control? When we have every opportunity to be the negative, you know, be negative in, a, you know, in the midst of something like this that's so unprecedented? And I just want to say to you, God knew. And, and it gives you great comfort and peace to know that God's out in front of this thing. He knew, he knew where we would be as a church. He knew what we would be walking through. He knew we would have decisions to make, or whether to congregate or to stay home. And like I said before, either one of them will involve faith. But I'll tell you this. I think right now it's time for the church to really rise up and really to act like we believe God is real. Because he is. He knew it ahead of time, and he's given us a charge to go through this year and to press through to be healthier, to be happy, and to be whole. And that has not changed. In fact, I think that all this does is it redefines our effort. It refocuses us, and we know that we're not to be negative about this. We know that the, the, that the anger of man never brings the righteousness of God. There's no reason to try to affix blame to it or, or some sort of conspiracy theory to it. There's no reason to make it anything other than what it is. We just need to go through it in faith. It's like everything else we face. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. We need to know what we hope for. We're going to talk about that today. 
We need to know what invisible thing we're looking for so that we can pull it into our now. You know, our plan here as a church is to meet here as long as we are legally able. And we will do everything in our power to make that happen because we believe in the power of congregations. It's not coincidental that I've had two messages in the last three, four months that have to do with the importance of us doing what we're doing here today. That this is not just sort of a byproduct of church. This is not just sort of something that we do and it's just a happenstance. We purposely come together because there's power in unity. There's power in the corporate expression of worship. There's power in corporate prayer. You know, normally in spring break, we don't meet midweek. This is spring break week. And normally our Wednesday services, uh, we postpone those because we have, it takes a lot of volunteers to do what we do on Wednesday night. And, uh, and we give people that week off. But this week, I have felt compelled to not only meet today, but to call a prayer meeting for Wednesday night. And we're going to have a Wednesday night prayer meeting, 6.30, this Wednesday night. And really, you don't, don't feel com- like you have to come. But if you feel like I feel that this is a time to be offensive and not defensive, if this is a time, if you feel what I feel, that the church is to rise up and to pray this thing so that faith can enter the equation rather than just fear, that instead of panic being all over the city and all over people's lives, that we would begin to pray God's faith into our, our city and into our world, uh, that's what we want to do. So we're going to do that. Wednesday night, 6.30, we invite you to be here. You know, we, we don't want to over-spiritualize anything. We, we do everything in the natural that we can do uh, as a church body to make this place safe. We, I sent out a letter this week about um, how we try to, to disinfect every surface in this building every week, several times a week. We use the right cleaning products. We use the right disinfectants. We have the right procedures. Um, you know, our nursery from head to toe is cleaned so much during the week. Every time they have someone in there, they sanitize those toys and take care of that. We're doing everything we know to do in the natural. But I can tell you this, you can never, ever do enough in the natural to insulate yourself. I don't care if you stay home from now to the end of the year. You can never do enough in the natural to 100% insulate yourself from something that might break out on the earth. You, it, it's going to, sooner or later, the element of faith has to enter into the equation. And you have to choose what you believe. And so we're, um, we're meeting, and we will do that until uh, we will never violate the law. We'll always uh, be in obedience to the law of the land. But we will do that as long as we're possibly able. Um, I want to tell you right now, though, that I want to make sure that everyone in the room knows to give Lindell, Pastor Lindell your email address. It's a, one of the main ways we communicate with the church, and if you don't get a regular email from the church, please give him your email address. We also wanted to tell you that ilovemore.org, please put that uh, on one of your favorites in your browser uh, thing so that when you can go there and you can find out updates uh, about meetings and what we might have to do in the future about meetings. We also have a Facebook page that's loaded with information. So information during these seasons of, of unprecedented things is very important. We want you to know what's going on, and we want you to know what we're doing. And right now, it's so funny what happens whenever something like this happens. It, it causes the church to come together. People think the church grows through prosperous times. The church really grows through times of, of uh, uh, when it goes through the valleys. That's when we really grow. It's when we grow together. It's a time for us to come together and for us to be a unified force. 
and to do what God's called us to do. I also want to encourage you that during these seasons, uh, the enemy has, has intended this for evil, just like this worship team was saying here earlier. Um, you know, the, the, the devil would love nothing more than for everybody just to stay home and for churches to go out of business all over the city, all over the world. And I just want to say that we have that choice of keeping this place going, and we're asking, whether we meet or not, that you continue to support and you continue to pray for and you continue to stay in contact with us so that we can be a church through no matter what comes our way because we don't really know. But I want to pop out on the other side and be better for it because I do know that God said all these things work together for our good because we love God and we're called according to his purpose and we're doing his purposes so we can believe that. In fact, we can claim his promises all day long. With that being said, I want to read Psalm 91 because I want to read it over us and release this in the room before I preach today. This is God's word. God's word that Jesus said about God's word. He said, not a jot or a tittle, not a period or a comma will be removed from this word until every word is fulfilled. He said, the, the earth and everything around it can pass away, but this will not pass away. This is God's eternal word. But we have a choice of believing it. And this is what he says. Those that live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. He will rescue me from every trap, protect me from every deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. Don't be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Don't dread the disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side and ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot against a stone. You will trample on lions and cobras. You will crush the fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those that love me. I will protect those that trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with long life and give them my salvation. That is the word of God. Do we believe it? Do we believe it? Yes, we believe it. So like I said, we're going to continue to try to meet as long as it's possible. Um, we have not canceled the Seder meal or moved it in any way yet. Um, that may happen. It may not. I don't know. All I want to tell you is that we're doing everything possible to operate as business as usual, and we don't want to be irresponsible, and we don't, certainly we don't want to put anybody in harm's way. We want everybody to feel safe and protected. Um, but we will go through this with wisdom, but we'll also go through it with faith. And we just ask you to do the same. And we appreciate you being here today. I think it's a very important statement. Um, if you're taking the offering, come on up. And um, 
you know, this, this, this unprecedented thing that's happening in, happening in the earth, um, the financial um, uncertainty of it all makes a lot of people fearful. Uh, there's a lot of financial uncertainty. A lot of things have been canceled. A lot of things have, have had to close their doors. And so, you know, we know that there's this certain fear about finances that just kind of gets released in the earth. And I just want to tell you, the safest place you can be financially is to put your trust in God. And this is the time to do that. Um, don't trust in your own way, like it says in Proverbs 3. Don't trust in your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will take care of you. I just want to say that as a father to you, because I've walked in it 44 years, and I can tell you with absolute certainty, he is the safest place to trust. So, God, I pray over your people today, and I ask that you would just be with them, give them faith in their heart. And, God, as they give today, let, I know, Lord, when you look down, you smile, because you know that every gift is given in faith, and it makes you so happy. You love it when we trust you, God. You love it. And so, God, let this just be a joyous time for you. May the angels of heaven just sing a chorus of your praise, God, because we do trust in you. No, we don't see you, God. And many times we don't understand how it works. But we come before you, God, as your children, as your bride, and we give to you, God, in faith. And we know you're a good father. You're a good caregiver, God. And you take care of your own. And so, Lord, in this time when the rest of the world has uncertainty, let us walk in absolute faith and knowledge that you are our provider. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, take that offering. Okay, that was the mini-sermon. Now, <clears throat> we get the real sermon. Everybody ready? We're starting a new uh, series, and it's, uh, it's called Being Mindful. Being mindful. It also could be called being aware. I think sometimes we, we say so many things and do so many things that we don't even pay attention to what we're doing or saying. It's that we're not very mindful of a lot of times of what we're even saying. And so in this series, especially while we're going through this negativity fast or this positivity feast, whichever you want to call it, um, it I want you to be mindful of what words are coming out of your mouth. Because it, it means something. It's very powerful. You know, the negativity fast has come along at this certain time because, because it's important that we don't speak fear and that we don't speak negativity because our words are so powerful. I mean, this is what God's Word says about our words. He says this, If anyone doesn't stumble in word, he's a perfect man able to bridle his whole body. Now think about that statement. If you are able to control your mouth, your words, he says that you're taking steps towards perfection. That alone is a mind-blowing statement. So many, so many times we think it has to do with what we do or don't do, but God says it has more to do with our words. In fact, Jesus even said, you will be judged for every idle word that proceeds from your mouth. What a powerful statement. And then he goes on and says here, it's like a horse's bridle. He says, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us. We turn their whole body. He's saying that our words 
have so much power that they're so important that it's like a horse bridle. You know what a horse bridle goes into their mouth? It's the bit that goes in their mouth, the bridle around their head. And what does that do? It get, let, Let's just turn the horse right, turn the horse left, stop the horse, let the horse run, whatever, is all controlled by the bridle, by the bit that's in his mouth. And he's, put, he's making an analogy, and he's saying, your words are so powerful, they actually determine where you go. You're, so, so let me put it this way. Your destiny is determined by what you say. Your destination has a lot to do with what you're saying every day. You say, well, I don't like where I am. I don't know how I, don't know how I ended up in a place like this. I never intended to be in a place like this. Well, I want to tell you that probably your words preceded where you've ended up. And many times it, it, it's so important for us to be mindful of our words and to take into account what we're saying and what we're thinking, what's prompting us to say what we're saying. And we start to speak positive words instead of negative words. And when we start to speak positive words instead of negative words, our lives can drastically change for the better. And that's what we all want. Remember a couple of weeks ago when we looked at the two plants, the negative words killed the plant, and the positive words caused it to thrive. Negative words harm us. Positive words build us up. Last week we had a prophetic service up here, and, and people think that might have been a deviation from the 2020 focus of healthy, happy, and whole. It wasn't a deviation at all. All those words that were coming from this platform were prophet, prophetic words that were affirming people all over the congregation. And those words were making you like that healthy plant. They were building you up. That's why we prophesy a lot in this church. We want to build you up. You need to be built up. Because the negative words that you hear every day they tear you to pieces. Some of you are sick because of all the negative words you hear. Some of you are making bad decisions because of all the negative words you, see, you, you hear. And some of you are blaming it on everywhere you work. You know, they're so negative at work, I can't get away from it. You know, I, I live in a house of negative people, I can't get away from it. Let me give you a clue on something. Let me give you a, some insight on words. The person that you hear speak the most is you. Nobody else hears all your words but you. No matter how close you are to your spouse or your kids or anything else, the truth is the majority of words that you hear in your own ears are the words you speak out of your own mouth. And so many times the words are so negative, so pessimistic, so beat down, so discouraging that you actually are hearing this stuff and it's making you sick, it's making you broke, it's making you lose your job. It's, it's ruining your family. It's causing you to make bad decisions. You're saying stuff that you, you're not even mindful of it. You're not even aware of it. And it's driving you somewhere where you don't even want to be. Words are so important. We need to be mindful. We need to be aware. It says in Romans chapter 12, Paul says this. He says, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let me just change some of those words around. You know, don't be overcome by negative negativity. But overcome negativity by positive words. Don't be overcome by sickness. But, be, be, but overcome sickness by getting yourself healthy. 
you do realize that light drives out darkness. When you've got so much darkness inside of you because you've been speaking so much negativity and it's just inside you and that's all you can think of is you're pessimistic, you can only see the downside, you can only see the, the bad part of the equation. I'm just going to tell you that you're speaking that stuff and you need to bring positivity in so it can push that negativity out. Light drives out darkness. Health drives out disease. You don't get healthy by taking medicine. You, you, get, you, you drive out disease by getting healthy. You take care of yourself and you build yourself up. There's no medicine on earth that does anything except to make your body function better to get well. There's nothing in the medicine that really attacks the disease. There's stuff in the medicine that makes your body more efficient to drive it out. Health drives out sickness. Light drives out darkness. And good drives out evil. And if you're full of lies because of the negativity in your life, the truth is the only thing that's going to drive out those lies. You have to consume enough truth. How do you consume truth? Well, you got a whole book full of truth right here. you got a whole book full of life. Light and life right here. you got a whole book full of healing medicine right here in this book. They can drive out all types of things. So it all comes down to this. There's just this fact of what you expect is what you get. I mean, that's just a huge truth. So the question becomes, what do you expect? It says in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks or as a person thinks in his heart, so is he. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but what you're thinking in your heart is your expectations. I mean, what are you expecting? Here we are in this time that's unprecedented. We've got this pandemic in the earth, and all these things are happening that we've never seen happen before, and we have certain expectations. And I think it's very important as Christian people to look inside our heart and say, what, what is my heart thinking? What are my expectations? What's in there? Because what's in there is what you are. And it's funny, but Jesus said out of the overflow of your heart you speak so it's very important to know what's in your heart what's in your heart what are your expectations just close your eyes with me if you would for a second just to block everybody around you out just close your eyes because I want you to look in your heart for just a minute and I'm going to ask you what's in there what, what, what is your heart thinking what are your expectations do you expect to get healthier every day? Or are you expecting to get sick? Do you expect to live a long life? Or do you expect to die early? Do you expect for things in the world to get better? Or do you expect for things in the world to get worse? Okay. You can look at me. You know, Christians, that I've been doing this for a long time, and it's amazing to me how many Christian people really walk around day by day expecting things to get worse. And I realize that the world is coming closer and closer to the end, and many things Jesus said are going to be coming on the earth. And it, he even said in Luke one time, he said that there's so many things coming on the earth that they're going to be so bad that men's hearts are going to fail them because of the fear of things that are coming on the earth. 
I mean, I'm aware of that. But why would Christians be expect, expecting things to get worse? They, are, they may get worse around you. They may get worse in the world. But why would they get worse in your life whenever Jesus has told you he came to give you life and give it more abundantly? How come the expectancy of our heart would ever to be expecting it to get worse? We as Christians must get to a place where our expectancy, our expectancy, our thinking in our heart is one of, no, God, I expect good. I expect this to, to, to work for my good. Because your word says clearly in Romans 8, 28, that all this stuff's going to work together for my good, especially this whole church. We're all called according to his purpose, and we're all going to be walking that out, and he's going to bring good into it. So, God, our expectancy deep in our heart is that it's going to be good. I'm not expecting the worst. I'm expecting to get healthier every day. I'm just going to keep on doing what I do, and I expect to get healthier and healthier. I'm not going to be afraid. I can't avoid everything, but I'm not, certainly not going to be afraid. I don't know if you know this, but stress and fear lower your immune system. Faith certainly doesn't. I expect to live a long life. How about you? I expect to live a long life. And I want to live till I'm dead. I don't know about you. I don't want to be limping into the grave. I want to live till I'm dead. And so I'm just expecting it to get better and better and better. So, you know, you can call me naive, but you know what it's called? I see it, I see it as a person that truly believes in the Word of God. I mean, because if, it, this, this question of expecting it to get worse or get better, it, you know, it's this verse out of Hebrews 11.6 says, without trusting, it's impossible to please God. And trusting involves expecting. I don't know if you know this, but when you have faith in God, or you have expectancy or trust in God, that expectation that God's going to what? God's going to do what he says in his word he's going to do. When you get to, to heaven, when you stand at the pearly gates, are you really expecting God to open the gates and say, come in, my beloved, well done, good and faithful servant. I hope most of you, all of you, are saying, yes, I've trusted Jesus as my Savior. I'm under the blood of Jesus. My sins have been washed away. I'm righteous because of Christ. And when I get to heaven, I expect the doors to open. Well, why in the world don't we have the same expectancy for everything else he promises in the Word? He said whenever he came and to give us life and give it more abundantly, when I step into life, why would I not expect those doors of abundance to open? If, he, if he's promised me to protect me, protect me from the enemies, if I put my trust in him, that I have this expectancy of his protection, of his provision. It's God's word. He told us to believe it. He says here, without trusting, it's impossible to please God. He's saying, if you flip it, he's saying, when you trust me, when you expect me to do what I said I was going to do, it sure makes me happy. People think it's presumptuous on God when we go to God and expect him to do what he's put in his word he wants to do. It makes him happy. He loves us to trust him. In times like this, it's not wrong to trust God. It's right to trust him. It makes him happy. Because when we, when we trust him, look what it says. Whoever approaches him must trust that he exists. He's saying, when you trust me, it's proof that you really believe I'm real. He says, that makes me so happy. 
I love it when you trust me. I love it when you treat me like I'm really real. Isn't that funny? We can claim Christianity all day long, but when it comes down to something that's really kind of life-threatening, life-altering, sometimes our faith goes right out the window. Why? I don't know. We should trust God. And he's going to do what he says he's going to do. And he likes us to do that. We treat him like he exists. And then this last phrase, he becomes a rewarder of those that seek him out. Seek him out. It's like he's hidden. And I can tell you where he's hidden. He's hidden underneath all the negativity that you've been hearing on the TV and reading online. He's hidden in the midst of all that because there's this deluge of information that's negative, that's fearful, that's coming on top of us. It's like a tidal wave. And God says, I just really love it when people trust me and they look through all that garbage to find me in the midst of it. We seek him out and we find God in the midst of it. We say, God, you're who I'm looking to. You're who I'm believing. Yeah, I'm not denying all the facts. I'm not denying all the negative things that are around me. I'm saying I'm seeking you out. And then he says the most interesting thing. In fact, it's so interesting. It's the only place in the Greek New Testament that word is used, rewarder. The only place he uses this word. And it's an unusual word that you don't ever hear God use any other place. He's a rewarder of those that seek him in the midst of it. You know what rewarder is in the Greek, the original Greek? It's one who pays wages. He doesn't say that anywhere else because he doesn't work on that principle of, of giving you what you deserve. Only here does he say that because he says when you get in the midst of a calamity and it requires tremendous faith, when you get in the midst of something that's difficult and fearful and it makes you feel like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? And he said, and you trust me and you, you find me in the midst of that? He said, it makes me so happy, and I am going to reward you. How many of you ever worked for a living? <laughs> Have you ever gotten a job, and they say, we're going to pay you X. We're going to pay you $500. And you do this job, and we're going to give you $500. And you do that job, and you go to get your check, and they say, oh, we aren't really going to pay you. You ever had that happen? Anybody ever had that happen? One guy over here, yeah, okay. I feel sorry for you. The, the, the deal is, here's the deal. We have so much faith that our employers are going to pay us because they said they're going to pay us. And here the God of the universe, the one who wrote this and spoke everything into existence, says that when you get into an impossible situation and you find him in it and you trust him through it, he says it makes him happy and he's going to pay the wages. He's going to pay you the reward for having faith. Why would we not absolutely 100% believe God and not believe anything else? He's the, he, he wrote it all. He's the beginning and the end. He's it. Amen. I'll say it myself. <laughs> so, I'm going to say this over you. And I want you to, I don't want you to stand for this declaration, but I'm going to, this is one of the declarations that we had this week. And I just want to say again, if you're not doing this little book, please do it. This is so important in this season that we're in. This is so powerful. If you'll do everything that's in here, I promise you, you will be blessed. Sit down and do it in the mornings. Read God's Word together. Do it with your spouse. Do it with your kids. Do it with a friend. But do it. And I'm telling you, just if you do it, if you do it for a whole week and you think it's garbage, just throw it in the trash. But here's the thing. You won't. 
because it's God's word and it will get inside your bones and it will give you health and happiness. I, if, if you'll spend as much time reading God's word as you do listening to the internet, you're going to be a lot help, healthier and happier, I promise. You know, I don't mind if you go get the facts. I just want you to give God equal billing. Just give him equal time. If you spend 30 minutes reading about all the stuff that can go wrong, read 30 minutes of this. Yeah, and, and if, you're, if you're listening to something, some, even if it's political stuff, this is, we're getting a double whammy this year. You know, we have election year and a pandemic. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And so you, it doesn't matter which way you turn. It's going to be negative. I just want to say, if you're doing that, if you listen to 30 minutes of negativity on, on talk radio, I want you to listen to 30 minutes of God's word over your radio. Just give him a chance. If you will open the door and give God a chance, and you will do the things that are here and in the Word, you, you'll, you're going to be blessed. And we have more books. Yeah, I want every family to have one. So here it is. This is one of the little things. God's exceedingly great and precious promises help me to wage war in my mind against the lies about my future. You need this. Because there's a lot of lies going out there about your future. There's a lot of lies floating around that are trying to tell you what your future is and that it's not good. And I just want to say, God's exceedingly great and precious promises right here help me to wage war in my mind against the lies about my future. I expect today, this is an expectation, it's deep in my heart, I expect today will be the best day of my life spiritually emotionally and financially in Jesus name Amen. I mean whoa that makes me feel a lot better than hearing some of the stuff I've been hearing God's word it's so powerful I love Charles Caps. I don't know if you know him but he's a great guy he's, he's, he's like the father of positivity and uh, he speaks God's word and he has this real unique understanding about it and it, he was an old farmer and he just started reading God's Word and believing it, and then he was going all over the nation, and he wrote a bunch of books, and now he's sold six million of them. In the Christian world, selling six million books, that's a big deal. This guy really does, he's hit on something, and what he's hit on is you just read the Word of God, and you believe it, and you speak it. That's, what he, that's it. And it just changes people's lives. But he has this saying about medicine. You know, there's no cure for this thing that's going around. There's no medicine for it. But God's got medicine. And here's God's medicine. I love this. God's medicine. It's his word. And it's to be spoken by mouth three times a day until faith comes. And then once a day to maintain faith. And if the circumstances get worse, double the dosage because there's no harmful side effects. That's pretty powerful. So if you're going through something and you find a word in here and it's a promise to you, just start speaking that promise over your life and do it three times a day. And one day... Because you're hearing the Word of God, your faith rises up, and you go, hey, I'm starting to believe this stuff. And when faith rises up, you can go to once a day. But if it doesn't rise up, go to six times a day. The Word is powerful and effective. And it's like, it's like rain. It brings, it, when, it, when God's Word comes into our life, it brings life to the dead things in our life. It really actually brings life. It does something. You, you, you see a part of your life that needs God's Word applied to it. Start applying God's Word, and you're going to see a change. In Isaiah 55, it says this, If the rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth, they cause the grain to grow, produce seed for the farmer, and bread for the hungry. 
We all know that. God gives rain in due season. He makes the crops grow. Every winter, it, it gets over. It's like now in springtime. The rains are coming. The grass is getting green. That's what God does that. But listen to what he does. He equates that to something. He said, it's the same way with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. I will accomplish all I want it to do. It will accomplish all I want it to do, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Wow. You see, the rain and the snow come. We know it's coming. We know even in our drought-stricken years that the rain is going to come finally, and it lands on the ground, and it does what it does automatically. He's saying the same thing. You just start proclaiming God's word over your life, and it comes down into your life, and he says, my word's the same way. It's going to produce fruit. It's going to produce goodness. But are you going to believe it? Are you going to speak it? Are you going to bring it into your heart? Because he wants to accomplish a lot of things in our life, but we're like dead trees. We're like we don't have enough life in us. It's because we don't know the word. We don't speak the word. We speak negativity. We speak against the word. He wants to accomplish great things. He wants it to prosper everywhere it goes. The problem is, many times, he wants it to go into our heart and to prosper our life, but our hearts are hard and disbelieving, and we don't let it in. Romans 8, 19 is an interesting verse, and Paul wrote it for a time of great suffering of the early church, and he said, all of creation, the whole world, it, it's under the suffering of sin. And he said, there's times in the earth when suffering becomes so great and it's so fearful that creation itself is groaning. All of creation is groaning because of what mankind has brought on the earth through sin. And then he says this in Romans 8, 19. He says, all of creation has an earnest expectation, an eager expectation as it eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. That all of creation in times of suffering is actually waiting for the sons of God to rise up and be who they were created to be. We have dominion in the earth. We are the crown of creation. There is nothing else on this earth that will bring change to suffering, change to any calamity in the earth other than people, other than God's people. And he's given us his word, he's given us his son, he's given us his spirit, and our job is to believe it, speak it, and walk it out. And it will happen, because he has given us his promises. It all comes down to what do we expect and what do we believe. And I want us to be a believing church. I want us to apply God's word to our life. I want us to apply God's word to our, our church. And when we hear negativity, I want us to rise up when it's contrary to God's word. I want us to be ready and willing to stand up and recite God's word over the top of a negative lie. Because God's word will prevail. And here's three, three simple statements from your book this week that are powerful, powerful words that you can just put in your pocket and speak over and over and over again. So let's stand up and we're going to speak these and then we're going to be done. You ready? Out of James 5.16, our, our prayers are powerful and effective. Out of Psalm 103, we walk in ever-increasing health. 
Psalm 91. We live under supernatural protection. Let's do it one more time and we'll leave off the scriptures this time. But I just want you to speak these truths. Our prayers are powerful and effective. We walk in ever-increasing health. We live under supernatural protection. We need to declare and agree and then intercede for our world. And that's why we're doing Wednesday night prayer. We're having intercession for the world. We're going to speak God's truth in here on Wednesday. And we're going to release the truth into our city and into our world. We hope you'll join us. Um, and I just want to say this. Anything you feel like you need to do, if you want to wear a mask or anything, nobody's going to make fun of you. Nobody's going to tease you. We want you to feel safe. We want you to feel okay. We just want you to, to go through this thing in faith. You know, we are all susceptible in our bodies, of course. The flesh is the weakest thing on us. But we don't have to let it into our soul, and we don't have to let it into our mind and our spirit. So let's stand up and be strong in the Lord and be mindful of our thoughts. Yes, we have a word? Okay, go. So don't, I don't want to do it. Cause go. It's big. But okay. um, I was talking to one of our brothers this morning, and he lives in a different place. He's like, are you all good? Do you have any stuff? And I was like, I always have enough stuff. We're good. And I was like, we're good here. I just got out of worship. The Lord brought me so much joy through just being in his presence. He said, we're good. We're always healthy. He's like, you know, it's coming. I'm like, no. And I, the Lord reminded me of this word I heard in college here in Amarillo. And there was like tornadoes. And they were supposed to hit Amarillo, and they didn't. And that pastor said that Amarillo has always had hedge of protection around it. Things that are supposed to come in, they just go around us. And I felt like he was saying that again, and I told my brother that. And I got in the house, and I said, man, everything he said, I just kept coming up with the words that were positive. Like, no, 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 we're good. We walk in perfect health. And our home has a hedge of protection. And I just can't not say that because I can't have enough faith on my own. And so I just call all of us as a family to have that faith. Yeah. Yeah. That even if even if we have to be home for two weeks, we get time with our families for two weeks, we're gonna be okay. <laughs> we're gonna be okay. And I just feel like the Lord just wants us to know we have a hedge of protection around us. Amen. This house I know has a hedge of protection around us. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. So, ministry team, if you'll come up, um, we claim that word, and um, I just want to pray, and then you'll be free to go. If you need prayer, we just ask that you come and get it this morning. Um, live in faith this week. Make a determination in your heart that you're going to get in the word more than you ever have, that you're going to pray more than you have lately, and you're going to seek God out in the midst of this difficult time, and then you're going to pray provision and protection over our city, over our church, over our just over our families. So God, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you're so good. We thank you for your spirit, that you, you put your spirit in us, God, and you guide us through your word. And I pray, God, that the, that, the, that the authority of your word and the authority of Jesus' name would be established over this city and over this whole region, God. And that at the end of this thing, we will look back and know that we've stood in faith through the whole thing. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for coming today.